Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Choose. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Hello and welcome into this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav after day one of the Ryder Cup, the U.S. Ryder Cup team has won as many matches as they did entering the week. That is zero. After day one at Marco Simone, six and a half Europe, one and a half the Americans. It is uh, equaling the largest spread after day one in Ryder Cup history, a spread we have not seen since 2004, 1975 was the other one. Rex, an unmitigated disaster from start to finish for the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Got swept in the opening foursome session. And then in the afternoon, when it looked like the U.S. team could go up 3-1, and one, Rex. Instead, three consecutive tied matches with heroics from Justin Rose to John Rahm to Victor Hovland. What are your thoughts after what was a historic day for the Europeans and a disastrous day for the Americans. You know what you and I have in common with the U.S. Ryder Cup team? We've each won zero matches on Friday. Zero matches. Thank you for helping me out. Thank you for jumping right in and being a good teammate for that punchline. Um, it was a historic day, as you pointed out, for the Europeans. Everything went their way, as you pointed out. They got up to a lot of early leads early in the foursomes session and never really gave it back. Like It seems like there was never any kind of light at the end of the tunnel whatsoever for the American team. In the afternoon, that was the curious part, and I kind of did some rough math. If you look at what happened in the four balls, there was U.S. had a lead in three of the four matches in the afternoon. Now, the last one got out of hand really, really quickly because of Matthew Fitzpatrick, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But it really came down to those last three holes, like it does at every Ryder Cup. And I kind of did the math. I think the Europeans won the last three holes on seven occasions today in the four-ball session. The Americans won it twice. They just didn't perform coming down the stretch when they needed to. Every putt went the Europeans' way. Every bounce went the Europeans' way. They just seemed to perform better under the pressure that that's a it, it's what the Ryder Cup always seems to come down to as you pointed out this is the first time ever that the European squad has swept the opening match it's never happened in 200 100 years of playing this thing and it, you kind of try to put that in context I do think it's interesting because we're going to talk I'm sure we're going to talk about the idea 
uh, what's wrong with, with the American team. You, you have kind of a thought that I'm sure you want us to get to about how you define what happened today. I'm going to say this. When we left Whistling Straits two years ago, we were kind of saying to ourselves, this is a dominant team. It's going to be hard to imagine how they lose once you get to Paris. I think the margins are so much tighter between these teams than we either saw at Whistling Straits or what we saw today. And I think what's going to end up happening is we're going to have this home and home, home and away thing happen more often than not, at least in the modern era, because Luke Donald was just talking about it during his press conference. The home course advantage, the home crowds being comfortable, having everything behind you, it, it's that 1% you need to push it over the top. Now, that 1% paid off huge today for the Euro fans. Two consecutive days, Rex, in which I did not interrupt you. I let you uh, ramble for two uh, consecutive minutes uh, uninterrupted. Uh, so kudos to me for that. I mean, there's just so much to get to. I, you think back to, to Wednesday and Thursday when there was a lot of second guessing with Luke Donald. Like, how could you possibly start with foursomes? I know that's historically the Europeans' uh, best format, but that's certainly a calculated risk. If you don't get off to a good start, then you're turning around in the afternoon into the Americans' best format in four balls. They would then get all the momentum heading into the weekend. Obviously, that is not the case here where it's six and a half to one and a half. What I want to start with right now, Rex, is is the Europeans. I mean, you have to give them credit. I certainly think there's probably a mar- market correction in order. The number of hold putts, the number of hold chips, the number of cl- shots that look like they were going to be going skittering 10, 15 feet past and then either are stone dead or dropped to the bottom of the cup. That is probably unlikely to last for the next couple of days. Now they've built... Uh, not an insurmountable margin, uh, but certainly a comfortable lead that Luke Donald will be able to make, uh, I think, some comfier choices uh, in regards to maybe not sending players out for all five sessions. When you look at the Europeans and what they did particularly well on Friday, it boils down to their big three. Victor Hovland, Roy McIlroy, and John Rahm are three of the four best players in the world, and they all delivered in various ways. Roy McIlroy got two points. John Rahm and Victor Hovland didn't just win in the morning, but then they they uh, eked out very clutch shots to tie their matches then in the afternoon session. That is exactly the recipe for Europe's victory here. You needed those guys to likely go all five sessions. You likely needed them to secure at least three points individually. They're off and running. When you look at the Americans, right, where does the, the blame first start? Does it lie? with Captain Zach Johnson? Does it lie with the world number one, Scotty Scheffler? Does it lie with Brooks or JT or Spieth? Where's your head at at this point in the proceedings? Uh, I'm not ready to start the hindsight cup, which one of our colleagues dubbed it today. And it will be. I mean, by the time we get to Sunday night and Monday morning and then whatever happens after that, it's always going to be the hindsight cup. Regardless of what happens, if the Americans somehow stayed some sort of miracle comeback, we're going to start second guess what Luke Donald did. Certainly, you look at Zach Johnson's lineup today. There are plenty of things you can pick apart. And certainly, I'll be the first to admit, like, I went out there. I wanted to walk the entire match to see how Brian Harmon and Max Homa played out because I made the argument last night that statistically they are their side's best alternate shot team. And, man, they just got boat raced, but it was clear why they got boat raced. The reason you put them together is Brian Harmon finds fairways and Max Homa's really, really good and makes a lot of putts. And Brian Harmon didn't find many fairways today and Max Homa didn't make many putts. And so there's nothing Zach Johnson can do about that. To answer your question – and this is sort of from 30,000 feet, 
they need to change the date of this event. It's been five weeks since I think nine of the 12 players on the U.S. team have played competitive golf. That's just not a good formula. We used to run into this before the FedEx Cup playoffs sort of mitigated those concerns. Five weeks is too long for them to have off. If you're not Tiger Woods, you can't be at home for five weeks and then show up and expect to be 100%. As a rule, that does not happen. I think that's where I'm in agreement with you, at least at this stage in the proceedings. They just looked rusty. Like they didn't have the speed of the greens. They were hitting uncharacteristic shots, like Patrick Cantley fatting an iron shot uh, into the water on the eighth hole. Like it was just really kind of scruffy around the greens. Like their scoring clubs weren't particularly sharp. Like that's a really long layoff. In, in no world would a world class player take off that amount of time before another big event. And so, and yet they did it for the Ryder Cup. And and I understand the way the schedule fell this year. Uh, it, it was not it was not going to be ideal either way, right? Like this is the first year they had all the signature events of the PGA Tour. They really condensed the schedule from March to August, forced these guys to play a lot of big time, high pressure uh, golf that is important not just to the legacies but to their bank accounts. And admittedly, all of these guys were spent after East Lake. One by one, they came into the interview room here and they said, yeah, I didn't touch a club for a week or two. Like, I just absolutely needed a break. And then I started to get back into it. But, you know, playing playing casual rounds uh, like Max Homa and Wyndham Clark did at Whisper Rock is not the same as what the entire European team did. Whether they're playing the European Masters or they're playing the Irish Open or they're playing the BMW PGA. Those are important tournaments. Those are competitive reps. Uh, that's fine-tuning your game under the gun of competition. Europe just looks sharper at this point. They'd certainly trended in that direction heading in. We, you could see the results uh, ticking up. Matt Fitzpatrick, who I know you wrote about uh, for NBCSports.com slash golf uh, on Friday night, uh, was one of those players who had trended in the right direction, uh, and I think that bore out with the results on Friday. What was the biggest surprise to you, other than the scoreboard, which I think obviously is a surprise to all of us, just how lopsided it is at this stage in the proceedings. How about individual performances, standouts uh, that, that kind of took you by surprise? Biggest surprise that we're 10 minutes into the podcast and you haven't told the fine listeners is the first time we're bringing you the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Live from a rave. Yes, yes, we have to go. The reason why I'm not interrupting you is because I keep having to put myself on you. I mean, this is actually getting me going. This is exactly what they needed, Rex. The first tee, uh, you actually did make it out there. Uh, it was it was a little bit suspect. We did not know if you were going to be out there for the opening tee shot. I was there, as I have been for every Ryder Cup match uh, I have covered. Totally lame. The worst Ryder Cup first tee experience. That's I a hot remember. take. I remember, I remember all of the fans at Whistling Straits were up in arms. That was kind of a COVID. Like, they still had a lot of... Uh, fans that were allowed on property, but certainly not the forty or 50,000 that we are expecting each and every day here in Rome. But when you got out to the first tee, there was no music. The, the, the stands were not full until 12 minutes before the first tee time, which is just absolutely insane. Every writer, it's a layup to, to write about the first tee experience heading into the Ryder Cup. Is it not? Like that's, that's every, every single person does it. And the go-to quote always is, when I'm warming up on the range, I hear the fans going nuts, I hear the chants, I hear the songs, and I get nervous, and I almost soil myself. There was no way that the Americans should have been nervous or anxious heading to that first tee because it was quiet. It wasn't until 12 minutes before the first tee time that you actually had that thing full. Uh, it was, uh, to me, 
something that needed to be remedied immediately to inject some juice because right now the scoreboard is not doing that's that's besides the point that that was okay that was my surprise what's your surprise well and to be fair we talked about this earlier this is a different kind of rider cup this is a what some what one official called me kind of a, a destination rider cup like not a lot of italians were looking forward to coming out to this this was hey let's go to rome and then the rider cup's going on there so it is going to have a different feel i will say this as the day wore on and we got to those late matches especially in the afternoon four ball session it was loud it was raucous the, the European crowds came out, and certainly the European team gave them something to deliver on. I, I was surprised by some individual performances. I, I was surprised at Zach Johnson. I mean, we knew we, we had talked about this. You know, who are you going to put Scotty Scheffler with? Sam Burns was on the team to play with Scotty Scheffler. So we knew it was going to work out. But we had discussed the idea that do you really put Sam Burns, a Ryder Cup rookie that is not their best ball striker, at least statistically, and this is relative to the rest of the team, are you really going to do that to him in alternate shot, which is by far – the most nervy thing you can do in golf. And quite frankly, he looked overwhelmed and I don't blame him. I think anybody would be overwhelmed. Bobby McIntyre was just in the media center talking about breaking into tears, walking from the range to the first tee. That's the emotions of the moment. It's hard to understand, but that's what happens. That surprises me a little bit from Zach's point of view. Like you put him in a really, really difficult situation. As far as performances go, I I was surprised that the United States didn't close out at least one or two of those masses in the afternoon four ball session. We're talking about Justin Thomas and Jordan Speed. This has been an American juggernaut. I mean, everybody went cross-eyed when Zach sat them for the morning foursomes matches, and they were two up at one point late into the second nine and yet couldn't close it out. That surprises me. Your boy Matt Fitzpatrick was six under in his first six holes, the first time he has ever played four balls. We talked about it. Rex on the preview podcast, Matt Fitzpatrick literally lobbied publicly to play in a four balls, said how important it was that you actually play your own ball, get in the flow and the rhythm of a round, particularly before you get to Sunday. Uh, but he just thought overall he'd be well suited for that. Uh, he showed his captain uh, exactly what he's made of a lopsided victory alongside Roy McIlroy, five and three over Kyle Morikawa and Xander Shoffley. That one stood out. Uh, Ludwig Ober is the correct pronunciation of Ludwig. Luda. Oh, bear. <laughs> yeah, you met you met the parents uh, and the sister uh, who certainly caught your attention. Uh, and that is a that is a performance. That is a player uh, who is certainly as good as advertised. We do have a little bit of hashtag breaking news with the tea times for Saturday's foursome session just being released to no one's surprise. Rex, Europe is trotting out the exact same four pairings they had on Friday, which is Roy McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood. Victor Hovland and Ludwig Ober, Shane Lowry and Sepp Straka, and John Rahm and Terrell Hatton. The only surprise, the only differences that I see at first glance for the Americans, Spieth and JT getting sent out. I thought they played well enough to deserve another spot on Saturday morning. Spieth really struggled. Uh, we do not have uh, any statistics through the European. Uh, tour, but we do have stroke scan data thanks to Data Golf, and Spieth was by far the worst on day one. Then you're, you're going to have Sky Scheffler and Brooks Kepka. They played together Friday afternoon. That's Sam Burns then, who would be on the bench. Max Homa and Brian Harmon getting another opportunity after getting waxed on Friday morning. And then the, the established pairing of Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. I must admit, I was a little bit surprised we did not see Patrick Cantlay 
on Friday afternoon. One of the best players in the American team, if not the best, uh, the most consistent player, certainly. Uh, you would have thought that Zach Johnson would have trotted him out there, uh, given the dire scenario of going down for love at the opening session. Quick thoughts on those pairings that we'll see. I don't think there's any surprises from either side. I mean, Luke Donald is not the kind of guy that's going to say, yes, I want to step on someone's throat. But how do you say you want to step on someone's throat without actually saying you're going to step on someone's throat? You send that lineup out against the Americans with a commanding lead already based on what they did this morning in foursomes. There is going to be no let up. I think he had uh, the idea of a game plan. And the Mike Tyson line always comes up when we talk about that. Like you're always going to get punched in the mouth and you have to decide what you're going to do. It's Zach Johnson that I'm curious about. Like he sent out probably, I would argue that's his best lineup. Like JT and Jordan, even though Jordan didn't play great today, I get it. I thought Scotty and Brooks after watching practice rounds earlier in the week would make a good combo together simply for no other reason than they should be intimidating walking on the first tee. That doesn't necessarily mean that's going to work out. I've made the argument of why I think Homan and Harmon should be in a good alternate shot group. We'll see tomorrow. If not, that experiment failed. I I just, I think his best bet is to get on, maybe get on the phone and see if Keegan Bradley and Cam Young can get on the red eye and get over here on time. I mean, there is, there, there's no, no escape now. I mean, I'm, I don't doubt that the United States can stage some sort of comeback. I don't think we end up with the same scenario tomorrow with a, with a clean sweep in the morning and some close losses in the afternoon. I, I, that would be, I mean, we've already said historic. I don't know another way of saying that. What I think is going to happen, though, if they split the session tomorrow, that's pretty much going to do a man. And it's easy to panic right now. But as I said earlier in the day, we haven't even played for one third of the points available. So the American side still has plenty of opportunity, but man, it's going to get hard. I mean, they certainly have opportunity. There's no reason that the American side cannot do exactly what the European side just did. It's going to have to take better golf and a market correction when it comes to the Europeans. I, I love the fact that they're basically just reheating what they just did. This is their best foursomes pairing. They just proved it on Friday. Send it out again. What I think I, Rex, I'm most curious about is Saturday afternoon. Obviously, we don't get the four balls until late uh, after the, or at least midway through the first session, if not a little bit later. I do not want to see Luke Donald relent at any point. I think the temptation is going to be to rest some guys if you have a comfortable lead. It's going to be to to get the Bobby McIntyres and Nikolai Hogards, uh, the Sepp Strakas, get them back in the mix uh, for that afternoon as well. I don't want to see that. If I'm Luke Donald, I go for the jugular and trot out the same guys over and over and over again. 10-6 is the biggest deficit ever, uh, ever overcome on Sunday singles. What I want to see is Europe try to put it away on Saturday afternoon. I'm very curious to see if he goes with temptation to rest guys or if he goes for the juggle. I think that's the big storyline to watch on Saturday. Well, well, and I can imagine a scenario, and, and Luke Donald was just talking about this in his press conference, that he, his plan has pretty much gone according to exactly what he had done. I'm sure he hasn't adjusted much through tomorrow morning. It's the afternoon where I think things will get interesting. If they split, you're right. He's probably going to make some adjustments for the reasons you just pointed out. He would rather put this away sooner rather than than later. If they win the session tomorrow morning, I can imagine a scenario where he might rest 
some of those guys. He might rest Rory and John Rahm. It is a tough walk. You and I both were out there today. Like it's just draining, and we're not even playing golf. If you can rest those guys and, and give them an afternoon off and tell them to get ready for Sunday, that's such a huge advantage. But they're up five right now. If they win the session, then they're going to be up at least six or seven, at which yeah. point just go for the kill. At that point, go for the kill because what happens if you rest your Rory's, if you rest your Rams, if you rest, rest your Hava? And look, I don't think they're going to do that. You still need to have some sort, some horses in the stable to make sure uh, that you're giving yourself a chance to at least uh, well, have the, the session. But look, send them out. If you get up by seven or eight, it's over. It doesn't matter if you almost completely lose a Sunday single session. It, it doesn't matter. What you don't want to have happen is rest those guys. The Americans get some momentum. All of a sudden, you get in that magical four-point range, and then you've and then you got some trouble. That's that's a scenario you cannot afford to have if you're Luke Donald. Uh, I will counter with that and say, who who are you guarding against? Like, who do you think the weak link on that team is right now? I mean, I think uh, that the idea was maybe Bobby Mack is the weak link, Justin Rose, and yet they went out and forged probably the biggest tie and the biggest momentum swing for the European team in the afternoon. So uh, who are you guarding against here? It's not as though anyone on the team is struggling. So I, I guess my counter to that was I see what you're saying. You know, put the hammer down. But if you're a captain and you have the luxury of resting your stars, I don't know why you wouldn't do it Friday afternoon or Saturday afternoon. Every single American player is ranked inside the top 25 in the world. I would be very cautious about letting any sort of guard down. If you have the opportunity, put put the, this thing away on Saturday afternoon. All I'm saying is I, if I'm Luke Donald, I would take advantage. Rex, before we get out of here, we've already gone 20 minutes on this mini pod. That's exactly the range we're trying to get to. One last thought on the day, what you're most looking forward to. I, I was taken tonight by – the sky is always falling when it comes – the sky is always falling when it comes to this particular event because depending on how it plays out, you're going to be a prisoner of the moment and you're going to play the result and something's wrong with the American system. Just like we talked about two years ago, there was something wrong with the European system. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just really, really difficult to win an international, uh, to, to win an away cup. And this is proof of that. Like, I don't know the difference between these two teams is decimal points. And what, what really makes – what can separate them is golf course setup. You try to do the best you can for the team you have. And the crowd. You and I both heard the crowd out there. And they – certainly the John Roms and the Hattons and those guys fed off of that. I think that's the difference. A topic for another day, potentially Saturday, depending on what the score is going to be, is have we gone too far in the golf course setup in the home field advantage if we get to another situation where this Ryder Cup is decided – by at least four points, as it is, as has been the case over the past couple of Ryder Cups, that I think a discussion needs to be had to inject some excitement into those proceedings. I thought Friday was plenty exciting. There's plenty for us to write about. Obviously, as we're doing on this podcast, there's plenty for us to talk about. That might not be the case on Saturday night. I'm curious to see where we stand 24 hours from now. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Golf Channel Podcast. Rex and Lab. Make sure you go to NBCSports.com slash golf. All of our news, notes, commentary, features, podcasts, videos. You once again got canceled from live. From Not for anything you said. You did not get canceled in that way. Uh, stay tuned. That could certainly happen by the end of the week, uh, but your hit was deemed unimportant 
just know that you're always important to this podcast. Appreciate All right, you. we'll be back on Saturday night for another Rack Bump. We'll talk to you guys then. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimvia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.